Education Foundation, committed to helping more Mississippians obtain post-secondary credentials, college certificates, and degrees that lead to employment. More information about Woodward Hines Education Foundation at woodwardhines.org. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, March 29th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, with the session nearly over, find out why some last-minute maneuvering has legislators crying foul. Then, teachers will see an increase in their paychecks starting this July. Find out why an education advocacy group says it's not enough. Plus, a brand-new Mississippi abortion law is already being challenged in court. We'll have the latest. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. House lawmakers have decided this hour not to set aside a motion to reconsider a controversial conference bill. Members were upset with what they see as a sneaky legislative process that adds $2 million for education scholarship accounts to an unrelated bill funding the Department of Finance and Administration. Many House Democrats, including Jarvis Dorch of Jackson, changed their votes from yay to nay after learning the scholarships or vouchers are in the finalized bill. Representative Dortch spoke with MPB's Desiree Fraser late yesterday. The way the DFA bill was filed, we had a conference report after um, the bill was recommitted. So six, six members, three from the House, three from the Senate meet, and they filed a conference report, and it's posted online just a couple minutes before we vote. Um, so we didn't really have a, a lot of time to read it, and the presenter of the bill never mentioned that there was something as controversial as $2 million for, for a voucher program in the bill. I mean, you wouldn't even begin to think that that's in the bill. So as you're going through it, you really didn't see it. Um, and it, at first we thought that that was something that was snuck in by the lieutenant governor, but it's apparent that the House leadership knew about it as well. And what, were there enough votes changed to change the outcome of passing the bill? No, it, it, but it was held on a motion to reconsider. So tomorrow we'll try to have another vote on it. Um, Obviously, I think just sitting on the floor, you knew there were a lot of Republicans that weren't happy about it. They didn't know about it either. Um, But, you know, they met after the vote, and I guess some arms got twisted, and, you know, they decided to sit in their chair and just take it. Um, The Education Committee chairman told us earlier today that there wouldn't be any vouchers in any bills, and he was checking on it. And after this passed, he didn't even come back into the chamber. So I think that tells you all you need to know about how this process is working. Why would there be an attempt to put that in the bill and not make it known? Uh, I think because they're, they're not votes to pass it. So they basically got it passed the only way they could, which was sneaking it into the um, the appropriation bill for the Department of Finance and Administration, which was the last bill we took up today, and it's probably the last bill that we have. There was a voucher bill that came up during the legislative session. Yeah, and it, it died. Um, there were a lot of voucher bills filed, and they all died. So none of them ever made it to the floor. How does this make you feel? You know, we we have, in my opinion, leadership that doesn't respect, they don't respect, if they don't respect their members in the chamber, they don't respect the voters that sent those members here. If you think something is so important and so right, but you can't even present it in a honest and truthful way, then um, you don't really have respect for the people that are sitting in those chairs and you don't have respect for the people that sent them to this chamber. 
Democratic Representative Jarvis Dortch of Raymond. House Appropriations Chair Republican John Reed of Gaucher says he was not surprised to find the voucher funding somewhere in the appropriations bills. He spoke with our Desiree Frazier. That DFA conference report with the ESA in it that a lot of people didn't know that was in there. Did you know it was in there? I knew when somebody showed it to me. Uh, It was, um, I knew that there would be monies put in that program. I did not know exactly where, but I I mean, it didn't surprise me that it was there. Um, But here's, here's, here's a caveat of the whole thing. You know, we voted for them in the education bill, and we've been voting for them for, what, five years now? Uh, there's $3 million in the education bill for vouchers, so we've been voting for them. There are House projects and there are Senate projects. And there's discretionary funds that could be utilized. And the Senate chose to use some of their and and listen we spend on projects they don't tell us what to do and they spend and we don't tell them what to do so there is where the caveat comes and uh, that was monies that uh, you know maybe they there again they made decision to use two million dollars and that kicks it up to five million in the program and it will expand the program but to what degree i do not know and that's that's about all I can say. Uh, I think the big thing that was the last bill of the night. Everybody was kind of hurrying around, and I think scanning it, uh, you know, I had um, not had I had scanned it, but I had not really dug into it. Um, and it's my fault. Uh, so anyway, uh, I I. We've been, like I said, we've been voting on uh, vouchers for four or five years. Republican Representative John Reed with MPB's Desiree Frazier. In other legislative news, a $1,500 teacher pay raise easily passed both chambers of the Mississippi legislature yesterday, but many still feel the amount is too low. Republican Senator Buck Clark of Hollandale chairs the Senate Appropriations Committee. He explains to MPB's Desiree Frazier how the legislature came up with the number after a new government revenue estimate came in. The price tag of the $1,500 pay raise for teachers was about $58 million. And we had in total a little over $200 million to allocate to everything of new money, okay, over and above. And this was really after the legislative budget recommendation we had. Well, the first thing we paid, and this goes back when we just started the budget, was $61 or $62 million went into the retirement system. That was first money that went out. Then $41 million to level fund every agency, to get them back to where they were in last year's budget or the budget we're in right now. So they went half the money just doing those two things. Uh, then we, as we finally got to this pay raise amount, that's $58 million. So it left us with about a little over $40 million to try to give increased money to our institutes of higher learning, community colleges, child protection services, Medicaid, uh, human services, just all the, the highway patrol, uh, so many needs out there. So uh, we wanted to give pay raises to other state employees and didn't have near the money to do it. So we've worked criteria 
so that we could be as fair as possible and, and touch as many state employees as we could. And, and um, it's, it's, it's complex because our agencies um, pay at different scales from agency to agency. It's not uniform. So our state personnel board does a great job. They work very hard to get us this information. But when you might ask a simple question like, well, how many people have gotten a 3% pay raise in the last three years? Well, that might take a day or two to calculate that. They can't just punch a button and get it. And so that's what's taking time. And every time, every, every question that's answered creates a new question a lot of times of, of trying to be fair. When you were talking about the teacher pay raise on the floor and a motion was made to increase it, uh, you kept asking where's that money going to come from? My question was... Uh, Senator Simmons was wanting to recommit that to raise it to $2,000 this year, which was going to cost between 15 and uh, $20 million. And my question was, uh, again, I've been working on the budget, and I know that all the money's been spent, and just those things I mentioned, it's, that's where it's all gone. And so I just wanted him to tell me, well, where would you propose to cut? And he never did. But that was the question. Where would it come from? So this $1,500 is a one-time raise? It is, uh, and that'll be the challenge. I hate to, hate to uh, put anything on next year's legislature, but uh, if I remember correctly, the, the teachers were initially asking for a $3,000 to $3,500 pay raise to be paid over two years. So here's half of that right here. Uh, again, this is just a one-year $1,500, so... Uh, I hope we have great revenue growth for next year. I'm out here. Let's talk about next year. We won't have to put that $60 million in for PERS for the retirement system, so think about that. Um, that would just about cover another $1,500, just the PERS increase. So let's, let's hope we have about 2% growth in the state. That would be about another $100 million to spread around. And, um, you know, just the state's growing and, and uh we can, we can do more. Senator Hill mentioned that teachers have gotten about, well, nearly $5,000 over the past five years. 5000 over the last five years, right. There was a 3500 just short of 3500 I guess it was, uh, three or four years ago, and, and now this. So, uh, yeah, and, and, and Senator Tollison mentioned that uh, whatever amount this, this raised the state amount to, that most districts add a, a local supplement to each teacher. And it ranges average of $1,500. Some pay 2000 or more. Senator Buck Clark of Hollandale. Democratic Senator Derek Simmons of Greenville voted against the $1,500 raise. He says it was a symbolic vote indicating his support of a higher dollar figure, as he explains to our Desiree Frazier. Well, first I want to say that I support teacher pay raises. I think our teachers, they deserve a meaningful pay raise. And a lot of the calls that I received from my teachers back home when the Senate uh, considered the bill the first time, it was only $1,000. And a lot of the calls, of course, their concerns were, uh, was it a joke? And so um, they wanted more. And and the bill went over to the House. The House increased the teacher pay raise from $1,000 for two years to $4,000 for two years. And so what the conferees have come back with in a conference report is just a $500 increase from the $1,000 that initially passed the Senate. And it's just completely insufficient. It's not enough for the invaluable work our teachers are doing for the state of Mississippi. 
And so I, I voted against it just because I firmly believe it's insufficient and I receive calls from or concerns back home in my district regarding that. So where does it stand now? Right now, the starting salary for our teachers is roughly $34,000. And so $34,000, $34,300. And so what the $1,500 would do, it will uh, increase that starting sal- salary to roughly about $35,000 and $800, $35,800. And so it's certainly something that needed to happen. It's just insufficient because the southeastern average uh, is $39,000 to $44,000. So we still are four to $5,000 behind the southeastern average. And so what the $4,000 would have done over a two-year period, it would have taken that $34,000 to close to $38,000, close to the close to the floor of that uh, southeastern uh, average range. And so we did not do that. And so uh, I have concerns, and my teachers back home, they have concerns, and, and teachers all over the state uh, have concerns re- regarding what we did today. Democratic Senator Derek Simmons of Greenville. Joyce Helmick is president of the Mississippi Association of Educators. She says the teachers she represents are upset with the $1,500 raise. Helmick says they deserve more. We have a teacher shortage. It's critical. It is that we are in crisis mode. When we have uh, over 7,000 uh, licenses issued in 2010, and in 2017 we only had 600, uh, if, if that's not an indication of a crisis for teachers in a shortage in Mississippi, I don't know what is. Um, we visit schools and we see that the, sometimes half of the faculty uh, substitutes and and uh, uncertified teachers in those classrooms. This is serious. This is serious in our state. And until we get that salary at a point where our educators, our, our new educators want to come into the classroom, we are not going to move this state forward. Our economy is not going to grow because we do not have those teachers in those classrooms. And, and I want to shout it from the rooftops. This is serious. Our, our teacher shortage is in crisis mode. This pay raise of $4,000 would have helped us, but this $1,500 pay raise is not going to get us where we need to be. We heard in the Senate that there um, is a special fund to bring teachers to areas that are struggling. It's $10,000. Well, I believe that's in one area in particular, but this is what we want to say about these special initiatives uh, you know, they mentioned national board certification for teachers. They mentioned um, that um, certain locals have, um, you know, are giving them uh, thing. If that had been the, what was the magic bullet, we wouldn't be losing our educators already. We, our educators would be staying there because some of those initiatives have, have been there. And we have had supplements in districts for years. And those supplements are not necessarily keeping teachers in those areas. They're still going into the, uh, into the surrounding states. And we know for a fact that surrounding states, this legislative session, other states are uh, providing um, pay raises for their teachers, which is bringing that southeastern average even higher. So $1,500 is not putting us 
closer to our goal. It was also discussed that um, there just isn't enough to go around if you give state employees a raise as well, and all state employees won't get a raise. Your thoughts on how this is being managed? I can't speak for the state employees, but I know that they deserve raises too. I know that. We all know that. We know that we have, our, our concern is our teacher shortage. We are extremely dissatisfied with this race because we know that it's not going to solve the issue that is in that where we are in our crisis. Uh, we want, we think that there's money a little bit for everyone and that we should be managing our money and putting our priorities in the right place. Um, I'm not a numbers person, but I, I know that our educators need that raise and we need to do something to help solve this uh, teacher crisis and to uh, put an investment into our public schools and our public school educators. MAE President Joyce Helmick with MPB's Desiree Frazier. It's been a busy week in the state legislature. You can see all the results tonight on At Issue. Tonight at 7.30 on MPB TV. Coming up, a brand new Mississippi abortion law is already being challenged in court. We'll have the latest. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Last time on the Gestalt Gardener. You know, I walk here in the mornings. And uh, did I already say it kicked my butt this morning? It's a, not quite two and a half miles each way. Sort of get pumped for the program, you know. I see dead pine trees here and there, random trees. Most of the time they've been struck by lightning and they get a lot of pine beetles in them. So anyway, if you've got a pine tree that turns completely brown, the ends of the branches are dead, uh, chances are if it wasn't struck by lightning, didn't have root damage, it's pine bark beetles. And for more garden advice, tune into the Gestalt Gardener today, 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Abortion rights advocates are asking the courts to halt a new Mississippi law that would ban the procedure at approximately six weeks of pregnancy. The heartbeat bill signed by Republican Governor Phil Bryant last week would ban abortions after a fetal heartbeat is detected. Hillary Schneller is the attorney on the suit for the Center for Reproductive Rights. She speaks with MPB's Ezra Wall, saying six weeks is not enough time for many women to seek an abortion. We have represented Jackson Women's Health Organization, the only clinic in Mississippi, for many, many years. And each time the legislature passes a law restricting abortion, we look carefully at it in consultation with the clinic. And just like the state did last year when it passed a 15-week ban, when they passed a six-week ban, we looked quickly at it and you know, know that it will impact the clinic and its patients. And so we you know, added the six-week ban to our challenge today. Uh, listeners will have heard us refer to this as uh, as interchangeably as a six-week ban and also as the heartbeat bill. What it what it does is it, it disallows uh, abortions to take place after they're able to detect a, a fetal heartbeat. Our legislators uh, who support this bill have told us six weeks is is plenty of time for somebody to know whether they're pregnant. I'm assuming that you disagree with that. So six weeks of pregnancy is just two weeks after the average woman misses her period, which may be the signal that she is pregnant. There are many women who won't even know they're pregnant at the time this bill bans abortion. Even if a woman knows she's pregnant, arranging 
to make the two required trips to the clinic in Mississippi, saving up money to travel there and pay for the procedure may take some time, may take weeks. So six weeks is certainly not enough time for many women to get an abortion. Are there other states who have comparatively restrictive uh, abortion laws? Many states have introduced similar six-week bans this year and in the past. Each time they have been passed by legislatures and challenged by uh, abortion rights groups and clinics, they have been struck down by the courts. In sort of uh, uh, an interesting uh, maneuver this time, or at least something I've, I've not seen because I'm not a lawyer and don't know how these things work, but you're, you're actually expanding an existing lawsuit in order to include this six-week ban in the in the suit? How, how uh, is that uh, because the same client is involved, or, or what makes that the optimal strategy here? So that's a good question. Um, last year, the legislature passed a 15-week ban, and we went to court immediately to get that law blocked. And a federal court in Mississippi found that law unequivocally unconstitutional that case is now on appeal at the Fifth Circuit, but the initial case is still before the district court because we are challenging a number of other laws that restrict abortion access in Mississippi. So we've added the six-week ban to this case because all the same parties are involved. The exact same legal principle applies that this law is unequivocally unconstitutional, just like the 15-week ban. How far along in the process is is this uh, proceeding right now? Is this is this something where you know we're we're expecting r- rulings soon, or, or or when? Where are you in the presentation process of it? So today we asked the court for permission to add the six-week ban to our lawsuit, and also for the court to block the six-week ban before it goes into effect on July 1st. So we certainly expect a ruling uh, before July 1st. And this would be the the same court that has already enjoined the 15-week ban from going into effect? That's correct. What happens uh, after that? I mean, how how soon could Mississippians reasonably expect to see some sort of finality in this legal process? That depends a little bit on what the state decides to do, like they did with the 15-week ban, the state could decide to appeal the six-week ban decision to, you know, higher courts. So it may take some time for there to be finality, but we expect during the litigation process that the laws will be blocked so that we can preserve access to abortion in the state. I think the one thing about abortion bans in particular bans on abortion before viability, are the state saying that it is the state who gets to decide whether a woman continues or ends her pregnancy, but the Constitution clearly says that it is for the woman to make that decision and not the state. So I think it's important for people to understand that it's really here the state putting itself in the middle of this personal decision that can affect women's lives in various aspects. Hillary Schneller is with the Center for Breach Productive Rights. She's a staff attorney there. And uh, Hillary, thank you very much for sharing with us today. Of course. Governor Phil Bryant has said he's not concerned with a potential lawsuit over the heartbeat bill, saying he's been sued before and it doesn't keep him from doing what he thinks is right. 
Before we go, we're still following a spending bill in the state legislature that would fund the Department of Finance and Administration in the coming year. It also contains $2 million in funding for a special needs education program that allows families to use public funding for private education. The House is currently in recess, waiting for the Senate to take the next step. And the Senate is scheduled to reconvene at 9 o'clock. We'll let you know what happens tonight on At Issue at 7.30 on MPB TV. Join us again Monday morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the Ridgeland, Mississippi Fine Arts Festival, April 6th and 7th at the Renaissance at Colony Park. Featuring fine art, live music, a bike ride, a 5K run, children's activities, and the Sante South Wine Festival. More info at ridgelandartsfest.com. Support for MPB comes from Atmos Energy, with a reminder that hitting underground utility lines can knock out service or cause injury. To know what's below, you can call 811, two business days before starting to dig. More at atmosenergy.com slash call 